welcome to ShadowSec. Not every geek with a Commodore 64 can hack into NASA. episode of the ShadowSec Cybersecurity Podcast. This episode is going to be a bite-sized chunks roundup of the latest news happening in the world of cybersecurity. I am Nima Mihanyar, and as always, all the views and opinions shared on our shows are our own and do not represent those of our employers, previous or current, or any organizations that we are associated with. So with all that being said, we're going to jump straight in and talk about recent news events within the world of cybersecurity. So first up, according to researchers at endpoint security firm Bitdefender, the financially motivated threat actor, which is tracked as Fin8, which has been known to be active since at least 2016 and has made a reputation for themselves by targeting point of sale systems, has also recently added a potent new backdoor to their arsenal and has been seen already using it with an attempted but luckily unsuccessful breach of networks belonging to two unidentified US financial organizations. And this new potent backdoor is referred to as sardonic. And this new piece of malware consists of several components, including the backdoor itself, a loader, and some scripts. Now the group was observed using spear phishing and social engineering tactics to gain initial access and then employed reconnaissance and lateral movement once they were inside. And then they deployed the sardonic backdoor on domain controllers to further spread into the victim's network. Now, according to reports, deployment begins with running the sardonic loader, which is likely part of a manual process. Now, the loader itself uses WMI or Windows Management Instrumentation to ensure that the next stage is executed at the next system startup, which is responsible for executing the shellcode responsible for actually fetching and running the sardonic backdoor. Now, during their analysis of the sardonic backdoor, Bitdefender also identified a series of commands for which execution hasn't actually yet been implemented, which clearly suggests that this project and this backdoor is still under active development, which actually fits into Fin8's MO, since Bitdefender does point out that they are known for taking breaks to refine their portfolio and their techniques. And the new backdoor shows that the threat actors are continuing to strengthen their capabilities. And they conclude their report with saying that the organizations within the sectors such as finance, hospitality, and retail, which are known to be the preferred targets of Finate, should continuously scan their environments for potential compromise. And I would also add that your employee awareness training should also be kept up to date to help minimize the potential success for Finate's preferred entry vector, which is obviously phishing and social engineering attacks. 
Next, we've seen the cybersecurity team at VPN Mentors find that the Chinese developer Eskifun, which is spelled E-S-K-Y-F-U-N, who is the developer of Android games, including Rainbow Story, Adventure Story, and The Free Kingdoms, and Metamorph M, was found to be exposing information belonging to users through an unsecured server. Now, the leaked data belonged to users of the game's Rainbow Story, Metamorph M and Dynasty Heroes Legends of Samcock, which altogether actually accounted for over 1.6 million downloads. The team said that the exposed data included 365 million records, which contained data from June 2021 onwards, and that the developers seemed to impose aggressive and deeply troubling tracking analytics and permission settings when their software is actually downloaded and installed. And as a result, the data collected was perhaps far more than you would obviously expect an actual mobile game to actually require. And the records actually included IP addresses, IMEI numbers of the mobile phones, device information, phone numbers, the OS in use, the mobile device event logs, which I don't know why a mobile game would need to actually receive a device's event logs, and whether or not the handset was actually rooted, uh, game purchase and transaction reports, email addresses, and Eskifun account passwords, which were actually stored in plain text. Now, the unsecured server was actually discovered on July 5th, and Eskifun was contacted two days later. However, after receiving no response, VPN Mentor made a second attempt on July 27th, but still they got no response, and so the team actually had to reach out to Hong Kong CERT, who then took the responsibility of securing the server, which was secured on July 28th. Now, the fact that this company didn't even demonstrate basic competence in securing their data, let alone best practices, and that they didn't even acknowledge the report. And in the end, it was actually Hong Kong CERT that had to do their cleanup operation, shows how little care they actually have for user privacy or security at all. However, as a personal observation, knowing how bad China's intellectual property protections are for rights holders and the fact that it is one of the most surveilled countries with a population which is pretty much accustomed to an invasive credit scoring system, it may be no wonder that obviously the notion that privacy and data protection is something that should be taken seriously may not actually have occurred to them. But of course, the really big companies over there, like Tencent, who do rely on outside markets, will probably take much better care than these smaller ones. But it is these smaller local developers in China that users should be wary of, since they probably don't feel that there is much risk for them in trying to gobble up as much data as possible. And if asked, they clearly simply just won't respond or give any comments or take security even remotely seriously. So just be aware when you're actually downloading some of these quote unquote popular games that may seem to originate from local developers in China. And be sure not to grant 
overreaching permissions to any games. Next, we have researchers at Wiz, which is actually a security company that focuses on cloud infrastructure security, who have identified a critical security vulnerability in Microsoft's Azure cloud database platform called Cosmos DB, which is actually Microsoft's proprietary multi-model database service for, as they put it, managing data at planet scale. And this was launched in May of 2017. An Azure Cosmos DB is generally classified as a NoSQL database. And the reason they actually say that it can manage data at planet scale is because Cosmos DB databases can be configured to be available in any of Microsoft Azure's regions quickly, letting application developers basically place their data much closer to where their users are. Because once you configure it to add a specific region to the database's scope, then the container's data gets transparently replicated to that region very quickly. Now, according to the researchers, any Azure customer could access another customer's account without authentication. So this is really when speaking about cloud data, as bad as it can get. And they dubbed the bug that they found as chaos DB. And they said that it could be trivially exploited and impacts thousands of organizations, including numerous fortune 500 companies. Now Wiz also added that any prior exploitation is unknown and that the vulnerability has been exploitable for some months and every Cosmos DB customer should assume they've been exposed. Now, interestingly though, the bug that they discovered actually has no CVE associated with it because cloud bugs are not actually designated within that system, which to me obviously seems like a slight oversight given the importance of cloud and no doubt the increased focus that is going to have from attackers. So we're going to obviously need to expand the popular CVE scope to include cloud bugs in there as well. Now, Wiz isn't actually providing a lot of technical details about the bug, which is obviously good since they described it as something which is trivial to exploit. But they did say that it was actually made up of a string of vulnerabilities that can be chained together. And they also released an attack diagram to show the attack and a proof of concept video showing it in action. Now, Microsoft has already been notified and they have disabled component at risk. And according to some analysis that was done, the component which was actually at risk and has the issue is the Jupyter network feature. And that's spelled J-U-P-Y-T-E-R. The Jupyter network feature of Cosmos DB which is actually a feature which they describe as an open source web application that allows users to create and share documents that contain live code, equations, visual visualizations, and narrative texts. And according to Microsoft's documentation, Jupyter Notebooks are directly built into Azure portal and customers Azure Cosmos DB accounts. So they seem to be in there by default for all customers. However, the Wiz researchers found that by querying information about a target's Cosmos database, Jupyter Network, it's possible to get the credentials 
for not just the Jupyter Network instance and the Jupyter Network storage account for another user, but they could also get the Cosmos database account itself, including the account's primary read write key used to actually encrypt it. So they could pretty much just open up the database and read everything in there with no problems. And using these credentials, they did say it was possible to view, modify and delete data in the target's Cosmos database account through multiple channels. Now, Microsoft has advised to mitigate the risk customers should regenerate the Cosmos database primary key just out of an abundance of caution. Now, the WIS researchers for this excellent research have earned a $40,000 bug bounty from Microsoft for finding the issue. And they added that all users should obviously review all past activity in their own Cosmos database accounts. Now it is important at this point to note that no in the wild exploitation has been noticed as of yet. And Microsoft did say that we have no indications that external entities outside from the researchers had access to the primary read write keys associated with Azure Cosmos database accounts and that they are not aware of any data accesses because of this vulnerability. So hopefully this is just an instance of a white hat researcher beating the bad guys, but it does certainly put a light on the risks associated with cloud and the importance of ensuring a layered defense, because this has to be one of those cloud bugs, which is really as bad as it gets being an unauthenticated access to any user's cloud data. Now for the last bit of chunk size news that we have, the Federal Bureau of Investigation in the US published an alert to provide technical details and IOCs for attacks employing the Hive ransomware. Now this ransomware was first observed in June of 2021 and is an affiliate based group with numerous tactics, techniques and procedures or better known as TTPs being used which obviously makes mitigation challenging for companies. Now, Hive ransomware attacks use diverse mechanisms to compromise business networks, including phishing emails for their actual initial access and then RDP for lateral movement. Then the threat actors exfiltrate data that they find interesting and then proceed to encrypt the systems on the network and the adversaries actually leave a ransomware node in each of the affected directories, which provides victims with information on how to pay the ransom. And they also throw in a nice threat there to make the stolen data public on the Hive Leaks Tor website if they don't pay. Now the ransomware tries also to stop the processes of backup, cybersecurity and file copying applications to help ensure that they can obviously encrypt all the targeted file types without the users being able to restore from their backups, which is a standard MO we do see with a lot of ransomware groups. And the encrypted files that are successfully encrypted are normally appended with the extension of .key.hive or just .key. And security researchers with Palo Alto Networks also noted that Hive has hit at least 28 organizations since June, 
all of which are listed on their extortion site. So this is a group which is really as bad as it can get, but this additional information from the FBI can be very useful to many organizations. So make sure that you make use of it and include it in all of your detection systems to ensure early warnings in case this group has successfully infiltrated your network. Then obviously time is of the essence and any early warning that you can get will be very valuable in your response to it. Now this actually concludes the bite-sized roundup that we have for this week. I hope that you guys do find it quite useful. We'll be back again for another bite-sized roundup next week. As always, feel free to reach out to us here at ShadowSec through Twitter or on the emails to give your feedback as we do always enjoy hearing from you guys. But until next time, I wish you guys a good day and a good week. Bye-bye. Yeah, well, good luck, man.